Hello, church. I'm so glad you've joined us to worship with us again this week. We're so pleased to have you with us. And as you know, we put these out on the internet every week. And then on Sunday, we have our in-person worship service at the Naples Grand Resort and Hotel at 4 p.m. on Sunday. And so if you're in town or you're free, please join with us there. We'd love to see you there as well. And so let's go before the Lord and ask him to bless this service. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for all of our church people. I thank you for their commitment, Father, to you and to walk with you. And so, Lord, I ask you now as we come together and worship you, that you give us the words through the Holy Spirit that you want us to hear. Anoint these words, let them be through the Holy Spirit, not the words of a man, but the words inspired by you, God, for what you want us to hear today. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so this is the fourth part of our series, the last and concluding part of the series, about the unseen forces around us. Uh, and I believe this is an important series, and I hope it's touched your heart, because we really don't realize all the things that are going around us, unseen, the forces of good, the forces of evil, effectively arrayed in an ongoing battle, and effectively for our souls. Uh, and God is on the one side, Satan is on the other. We know that Jesus has won this battle, but now it's up to us to join in this battle. Uh, and so even as we've learned about the forces for good, the angels uh, aligned with God and the forces for evil, Satan and the demonic forces, today we will learn about what's our responsibility. What does God expect for us? We are not just passive bystanders. God expects us to work and fight at a high degree uh, because it's a spiritual fight. And so I hope we'll, we'll, this will touch your heart as to what God looks at our responsibility in this issue. Uh, and so there is an offensive position that God expects us to hold in this battle. We don't just sit tight uh, in a trench, but God expects us to be on the offensive. He doesn't expect us to be filled with lethargy. Uh, but he expects us to engage in a good fight. Uh, and we remember, as always, uh, in Ephesians 5, verse 12, that we are fighting against spiritual forces in high places, meaning we are fighting a battle that we cannot use our human muscle. We cannot use our human flesh and blood and the issues that we normally would fight a battle with. This is a spiritual battle. We have to fight this spiritually, and God equips us to do this, and you'll hear that today, and you need to be prepared for that. And so the walk of the believer, effectively, uh, is in warfare every day. You may not even realize it, but that's essentially what's going about. And, and Paul is the best example of this, because the entire book of Ephesians is written while Paul is handcuffed to a Roman soldier in prison. It is an amazing story. He is an amazing man as God would use this man, this former Pharisee, to effectively write two-thirds of the New Testament, to become one of the five most important people in the history of Western civilization, uh, to be the person who most likely was the greatest evangelical missionary in the history of the world. And all of this was done through the touch of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It's an amazing story. So if you have your Bible, uh, the main subject, the main text of our message today 
is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 19. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is in the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. What an incredible picture this is as Paul effectively uses the Roman armor to tell us exactly what that armor is spiritually because we need to put on this spiritual armor because we are fighting a battle against high places, high evil authorities in the spiritual realms around us and we need that spiritual armor in order to make that fight. You know, in the course of, of writing this message, uh, I sought out some history from medieval times uh, and when squires would finally be knighted, the night before the squire would be knighted, he would lay out his armor, lay out his armor by himself, and then he would pray, and all night long he would pray and ask God to bless that armor. Effectively, that's really what this is about, because we can't make this fight in our own strength. We need the spiritual armor of God in order to do it, and that's why this becomes important. So many Christians today have no spiritual vitality. Yes, they're saved, but they're not advancing in the kingdom of God. And the reason for that is that they've been taken captive in this spiritual battle. Well, God doesn't want that. God wants you to stand tall and to fight and to put on this, this armor in this invisible war. This is how we are to stand against Satan, and this is how we are to stand against the uh, evil forces. We are involved in a superhuman battle in which conventional tactics will absolutely do nothing. Uh, and so we need to be aware of this cosmic battle that's going on and fighting for us, and that natural weapons will be ineffective completely. We must be convinced of this if we are to succeed. Uh, and we must go beyond evangelical lip service. It needs much more than, than that. We need to have a deep abiding conviction as to how we're gonna fight this battle and what our strength is going to be drawn to. Now, Paul is specific about the nature of our evil opponents. He's very specific. And our struggles against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of high places. He couldn't put it any better than that. We face a powerful enemy, and that enemy has control of this world. Make no mistake about it. 
And so here we are effectively swimming in a sea of evil, protected only by God himself and the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ who has already won this battle. And so Paul uses the language here in this, this passage that we just read of, quote, standing firm. He would not use such language if he were not convinced that that's effectively what we need to do. We're waging a war and we must stand firm in this. Uh, even when we feel helpless, we need to bow to God and pray to the Lord and ask him to help us in this ongoing fight. Now, scripture informs us well on this issue. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, quote, we know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil. I mean, there it is. We are the children of God, yet the whole world is under the control of evil. Now, Jesus, in Acts 26, verse 18, when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus uh, and effectively commissioned him uh, into the kingdom of God, he said there to Paul that his responsibility was, quote, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. This is why Satan would make that bona fide offer to Jesus in the wilderness when he tempted him. You remember that, in which he said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. There they are. I have the authority to give them to you. All you need to do is worship him. And one of the significant things is that Jesus did not repudiate him. At that moment, he was actually telling the truth. He did have all, all the kingdoms of the world in his control. That's essentially what this evil force is about. And if you watch the news today and you listen to the world, do you have any doubt? Every possible evil is being perpetuated in every world spot throughout the planet. All of the governments of the world have in some way been besieged by evil. You've never seen anything like this. It's worse than ever where the very civil authorities are coming apart. This is evil. Make no mistake about it. And I'm not talking politics right now. I'm talking God and scripture. And so we need to be aware of what's going on and how Satan controls this world. And so our God is a warrior and he has assured us of victory in the end because we know that Jesus won on the cross. Still, still, Satan's schemes can wreak havoc to our lives. He can take us away from the cross. He can take us away from ministry. He can take us away from pursuing what God wants us to do. And so we need to be prepared. And so it's important for you to do this. So how do we stand firm? How do we stand firm in the way that Paul has indicated that? Well, we stand firm by putting on the seven pieces of spiritual armor that he has written about. And we must put on all seven pieces. So first, we put on the belt of truth. Now, in Paul's days, when the Roman soldiers put on a belt, the belt was one of the more important pieces because it was on this belt that they kept their garments from dragging on the ground. And at the same time, they would attach important pieces of armament on that belt. And so it became effectively a centralized portion of how they were dressed for battle. 
and so when you look at that, it is an essential part of the weaponry of God. And so we're supposed to approach Satan's schemes uh, with the truth of God. And the belt is the belt of truth. The belt of truth, that's what he calls it. And so it is in truth alone that God strengthens me, living a life to God in righteousness and holiness means living sincerely and honestly in the way that God wants, in a truthful, candid way. It is a life devoid of secrets and it is based on holiness, truth in every way. Now, I wanna say something here uh, that may not pertain to our church people, but it may pertain to your grandchildren. And this is important that you know it. Uh, I have become convinced that some people who come to church have no idea about how Satan uses the dark arts. And by that, I mean Ouija boards, fortune tellings, all these issues that promote the dark arts. And I want you to be aware of the fact that you're playing with a very dangerous game. And, and it's amazing how Satan uses this uh, because the Parker Company, which makes Monopoly, is the company now that makes the Ouija board. So you know people are innocent. Oh, they think it's just an innocent little board game, but it's not because the Ouija board effectively is being based on dark forces moving the board pieces around. I want you to read again, and this is the truth of God. That's why I'm, t I'm teaching it here. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 to 12. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritualist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable practices, the Lord, your God, will drive out those nations before you. Couldn't be any clearer about that. And so you understand that. That's part of attending to the dark forces. Yes, they're about you. Yes, they're filled in a battle, but we don't bring them into our homes. We don't engage with them in these supposed games. We don't go to fortune tellers. We don't go to spiritualists. And so even though I'm certain that the people in our church don't do that, you need to make sure your grandchildren are aware of this because so many innocents have no idea what this is about. We need to stand tall. This is the truth of God in so many ways that our life is based on holiness and righteousness and devoid of secrets and based on everything that God would have us do. Now in Ephesians 6, verse 14, it continues with the description of the second piece of armor, and that is the breastplate of righteousness. And let me say it to you very clearly, it's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that's important. So we wanna put on the righteousness of Christ as the breastplate. We need purity of Christ in this day of sin. We can't possibly win in this fight unless we're pure and have this breastplate of righteousness from Jesus. This is how we live in victory. Uh, and, and we have to have integrity. And here's the, the deal. When there is a lack of integrity, we live in defeat. It's that simple. You can't live 
a productive Christian life if you're living a lie, if, you're, if your life is based on falseness. You cannot. We need to remember that those who follow Jesus Christ need to put on the power that is his. And we put that on, and that power then becomes ours. And next, Paul speaks about the need for our feet to be shod with the gospel of peace. Um, and a Roman soldier knew that in order to be effective in battle, he had to protect his feet. And the reason for that was that enemies would put nails in the way of the oncoming soldiers so that as they would walk, the nails would pierce their feet. And once their, their feet were pierced, they were no good as soldiers. And so he had to take care of his feet. And so these sandals ha had, had protective coverings on them to keep the feet from being pierced. Uh, and, to, and so they would not be stopped. Uh, bare feet would be, de would be defeated, and they were cleated, these sandals, so that when you walked, you would stand firm. You would not slide. You would be immobile against the oncoming forces. And so Romans 10, verse 15 says that the feet of those who preach the gospel are, quote, beautiful. And that's a fact. And that's part of what this is about in this offensive battle, as you're, you're, you're advancing the kingdom of God and you're advancing against these spiritual forces. God expects you at the same time to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Uh, we're not just self-serving. We are serving Christ in every possible way. And so he wants us to mobilize, mobilize our feet each day to carry the hopes of the gospel to a lost world. Next, he talks about the holding up the shield of faith. Now, Ephesians 6, verse 16 says, quote, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, as we advance in battle uh, against these unseen forces, Paul is telling you that you need unyielding faith. You cannot let your faith uh, come down. You cannot sit there in defeat. You must put your faith in God and in Christ and recognize that they will never let you down, that Jesus has already won this battle. You cannot be run and be weary. Uh, you need to stand tall and be strong. And that's what this shield is about. We have to take God at his world, word. He would never abandon us. He will be with us till the end. He tells us this in every possible way. The utter reliance on God's worth is truth, and that is how we protect ourselves in battle. We never give up. We never accept defeat. We never bow to the words of Satan. This is how we fend off the darts of Satan, even when he attacks us. Now, the other lesson from the Roman army in, uh, and their shields is this, that when battle was arrayed against them, they linked their shields together. And so effectively, it became an impenetrable wall. And, the, and so even though one-on-one, uh, -on -one, you might be subject to attack, but when the shields were put together, and you've seen this in countless movies, when the shields were put together, they could withstand innumerable attacks. And that is an important spiritual concept for us. This is the reality of the church. This is what the church of God does. That brother, brothers and sisters together who pray for each other, who love each other, who takes the shields of faith individually and then unites them in a wall against evil because the church stands together against the forces of evil. That's the role of the church. 
And if our church doesn't do that, then we have failed miserably and we're accountable to God. And so we form a much stronger wall uh, in this joint effort against Satan. Now, the fifth piece of armor is described as the helmet of salvation. Now, this is also described as the helmet of deliverance, according to some translations. Now, it is critical in this ongoing battle that we protect our minds. That is how Satan attacks us for the most part. He looks at your mind, he begins to plant thoughts in your mind that maybe God isn't as faithful as you thought he was, or maybe you deserve more and that you're not being recognized for your efforts and your talents. There's a million ways that Satan puts these thoughts in our minds, and that's how he begins to advance against us. And so the only way you can protect your mind uh, and, and from these thoughts is to put on this helmet uh, of salvation. And this is how God wants us to protect these thoughts against Satan, recognizing that this is really how he principally looks to attack us. Now, the Bible says that when Christ returns to the earth, he will come with one weapon alone, the word of God. That is an amazing thought to recognize this. But when Jesus will come back, he will say one word from his mouth, and all the forces of evil throughout the world will be defeated by that one word of God. Take a look at Revelation chapter 19, because you're going to be in this army. You ought to know exactly what's going to happen when you're marching behind Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. We'll start with 14. The armies of heaven were following him, meaning Jesus, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, out of his mouth, and that's Jesus Christ, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Uh, and so that, com- that sword that comes out of his mouth is not a physical sword, it is the word of God. That is how powerful the word of God is, that when Jesus announces it, that the evildoers, the demons, uh, the hundreds of millions of them, all these forces aligned uh, against righteousness will be defeated on that day. And so we need to understand that we need to take up God's word in our daily spiritual warfare. This is how God expects us to fight, by bringing his word, by understanding his word, by using his word in every possible way. This is the one weapon that is used for both offensive and defensive purposes. During the battle between Christ and Satan, you know that uh, that's recorded in Matthew chapter four, Satan three times tempted Jesus Christ in three different ways. And in each one of those ways, Jesus deflected Satan by citing the word of God. And he cited three separate scriptures. He cited Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, and Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. And you know what? We, we can read some of those so we get an example, understanding of what Jesus was saying and how the word of God pushes against the forces of evil. Let's start with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And there the scripture says, 
He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There it was, Jesus desperately, after 40 days, needed to be fed. But he didn't need human food. And so for Satan to drag and look and say, I make these stones into bread, was a complete dereliction of, the, of God himself uh, and the word of God. God wants us to live on spiritual food. And so that's one of the ways that Jesus responded authoritatively to Satan. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, there uh, the scripture says, do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Meaning what? That's when Satan said, throw yourself off. Throw yourself off this high place because when you do that, God will send his angels and lift you up. You don't test God. You don't make God a test to show something. You bow in submission. He directs you, you don't direct him. And so that's another, another spiritual understanding that you need to have through scripture. And this is what scripture does. And then Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, that, that it says, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. And that's when Satan said, just bow before me. Just bow, bend your knee and you will complete your mission. I have control over the world. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus never said, you're a liar. Not as to that issue, because Jesus knew he did have control of the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus said, you don't bow to anyone but God himself. We worship God and God only. And so we don't worship, we don't bow to Satan, not in any way. Uh, and so in reference to these words, in reference to, to the word of God, Moses was very powerful in Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse 46, where he says, take, as he said to the Israelite people, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. They are not just idle words for you, they are your life. And I would say, underline that and put it on your refrigerator. And do what he says, tell your children and tell your grandchildren that the word of God is life. The word of God is the only way that we're gonna defeat these dark forces. And so we need to read and study scripture to have it fill our heart. God reveals his mind in the Bible. And so that's the only way we can fully understand what his will is in our, on our hearts and how we can fight against the dark forces. And so finally, finally, in order to win any of these spiritual battles, it is critical that there is prayer. Paul speaks about that. Prayer that actually wins wars. For most of us as Christians, uh, the significant sp spiritual battles we wage will be waged in our minds. <clears throat> what we think will ultimately be what we do. And so we will become slaves to what our minds crave. And that is effectively how we have to ask God to take these thoughts. Lord, take command of my mind. Make my mind be strong, Father. Don't let me reflect on these evil things, but let me reflect on the positive things, Lord, that you have given us. Now, Satan will attack us 
when we are alone. And that's really where he, he winds up going after you in the most productive way. When you're alone, <clears throat> because when you are alone, you are in danger. It's when we start pulling away from meeting regularly with the local church. Now, this is an important issue that you need to recognize. And I know that right now we're in dark times and it's hard to get together because of the virus. But I would commend to you that as soon as you can, you find a way to get back to church because it is in the mutual fellowship of the saints where we pray for each other, where we come together and worship each other and worship God together that God strengthens our minds. We cannot be lone rangers. We cannot be isolated. And you know what, what I mean about isolation when you travel away from home and it may be on the job and you're in a hotel room uh, and nobody knows your name and you're lonely. That's when Satan begins to focus in on your mind and thoughts come into your mind. That's when you need to put your face in the Bible and to pray to God, to take these thoughts, to strengthen you as you were alone during this period of time. And so Satan's primary objective is to get us not to trust in God. He wants you to think that God has failed you, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't care for you. He makes empty accusations. He will lie to you that God will not protect you or take care of you or your family. And that is how he wages war against us. And he is brilliant in the way that he makes those attacks. Each of us has some slight weakness in our hearts and our minds, and he focuses in on those very things. He loves to break into our thoughts and introduce doubt. That's what it's all about. And I always said this to you. It's not that he thinks or expects you to bow down and worship him, but rather that you walk away from the cross. You no longer are strong in ministry. You no longer are serving God in your daily walk. Now your, your issues in life have become more self-centered and narcissistic. And instead of pursuing the cross of Christ, you're now pursuing your own interest. This is a very, very serious problem. And we in the church need to be aware of it. We need to lift each other up and direct our people because it's so easy for us to fall away from regular worship. It's so easy to stop going to church. Some other issue comes up in your life, whether it's recreation or work. Some of these things are good things, but they're not good when they keep you from coming together in church. You need to come together and worship in church. And so we need to remember the things that Paul said also, uh, the words of Paul um, in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And I have this printed up in my office because it's so meaningful to me how powerful these words are. And really, it's, it's the lodestar of how we are to live as Christians. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, one of the great passages in the New Testament says, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. That's what our responsibility is as Christians in this war, to think about these mighty, pure, honorable things that God is doing, these things of excellence, 
these commendable things, to think of good things and pure things and righteous things. Let our minds be filled with these things because we, that's those things, as we reflect on them, will protect our mind. Listen, we have to train our minds to think pure thoughts. This is a hard one. It's hard to think pure thoughts all the time. That's why I say to you, many of us would be better off if you just unplug television. Just unplug it. Because, because the filth that comes through that, the degradation that comes through there, the evil that comes through that, when you see what's going on in the world, buries you and pulls you down. But instead, we have to surrender our thoughts to God, surrender them to cross, to Christ, asking to, through Jesus Christ, Lord, purify my thoughts, purify my thinking, make it holy, make my thoughts align with you in every way. The Bible uses the terminology of taking every thought captive. That's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I love that. Taking every thought captive. Meaning what? It means that, of course, God knows that from time to time, uh, uh, thoughts are going to come into your mind that are not in line with God. But take those thoughts and make them captive. Meaning, arrest them, handcuff them, ask God to deliver you from them, and, in and rather to focus on those excellent commendable thoughts that Paul spoke about in Philippians, um, and committing daily, as Paul said, to the renewing of your mind in Romans chapter 12, through the power of God's word, the renewing of your mind through the power of God's word. There's only one way your mind is going to be renewed, is when you spend time reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And so I'm going to say this to you, that each and every one of you needs to spend every day at some point in worshiping God through the scripture. You need to read the scripture and reflect on the scripture and digest the scripture. Uh, and in fact, be part of some Bible study where you can have a teacher that, that hopes to do this for you and does it for you. Listen, on our church website, we have more than 400 messages that I've given over my lifetime that are available for you to listen to uh, and, and to lift you up in order to renew your mind through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I, and I, I commend this to you because this is what you need to do in order to have a productive Christian life. You're fighting a spiritual battle. We've spent a month on that. You need to be very much aware about this. And so... As we go through this, as we put on the armor, as we understand the word of God, as we dedicate ourselves to following Jesus, we have to be serious about our thinking and we must sanctify our lives to Jesus Christ every day. <clears throat> Meaning what? With all the armor, we still need to bow in sanctification to God, saying, Lord, I submit to you in every way. I ask you to protect me, Father, to protect my family, protect my mind, Protect my thinking. Help me, Lord, to focus on those issues which you want me to focus on. Help me to uplift my family. Help me to uplift my neighbors and friends. Help me to uplift a lost world. Help me, Lord, to be able to demonstrate what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about as we use our feet to spread that gospel. Uh, and so we need to be mindful of the fact that, that Jesus asks us to, to reflect on our hearts and our thinking in every possible way. I want you to turn as we focus on what Jesus says to 2 Corinthians, if you would, 
chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What a great passage that is from our brother Paul. That's what we do when we submit ourselves to God. We, we strengthen our minds. We're prepared for battle, and we're prepared to demolish the arguments of Satan and the arguments of the world. Church, we need to stand tall, taller than we've ever stood before when I see the, the devolution, effectively, of this world as it, as it begins to diminish itself every day and law and order is, is dissolved uh, and the civil powers seem to go away and we seem to be on the very brink of revolution. What do you think is involved in this? Do you think these are forces of good? No, I'm sorry to tell you. These are forces of evil. This is exactly what evil would do. Well, that's where the church stands. And that's where we stand because we strengthen ourselves with the armor of God. We strengthen our, our, our minds with the understanding of the word of God and we are prepared to demolish arguments. And you need to be ready for that. And so here's the point, arrogance, violence, contentiousness, stubbornness, faithlessness, addictions, and compulsions can all be deconstructed. We invite God to come into our lives and deconstruct the very thoughts that we carry around that bury us. This is our responsibility in the ongoing spiritual battle we face every single day. Church, bow before the throne of God. Put him first in your life and put on the armor to prepare for the spiritual battle we face. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the message that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for these words. I thank you for the series, Lord, that you've given us that has really anointed our minds about the spiritual battles that we face. And now, Lord, we commit to you Right here today, we commit to putting on the spiritual armor, to taking the word of God seriously, to bow before the throne of God in submission, and in every way, strengthening and preparing our minds for the onslaughts of the evil one. Lord, lift up our church, lift up our people, strengthen them in every way so that they can face the evil onslaughts we will face. Lord, be with our people, protect them, and bring them back again next week to continue the ongoing worship of the word. Lord, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church.